our heroes must infiltrate the royal back at Golden Horizon Conservatory and figure out what they are doing with so many powerful teen supers in a single place. The Umputer has suggested they pretend to be a family and enroll Void Walker in the academy. But before they can do that, they must get into Tokyo. No easy task, as the city of spies is only the most surveilled and militarized real estate on Earth. How will they disappear inside Japan with the help of Houston Miller and Jason Smith? We get back to more people as they are on the process of getting into the city of spies. But of course, this is only the most surveilled place in the world and you don't want to be recognized. So you cannot just go there or can you? The thing is, you have a teleporter with you. So Voidwalker can get you into Tokyo without much hustle and hopefully without being detected. But you're probably going to have to do it from one of the islands of Japan. So you're probably going to need to get into the territory of the former Japanese empire. And there are four options. You can try to contact the Soviet Republic of EXO, which, despite being a member of the Comintern, is nominally quite supportive from the efforts of the Third World and, uh, well, the Cybernetic International. So maybe they will be the ones less likely to cause a hurdle. They are the ones under most surveillance by the other powers, aligning with the the capitalist factions. You can try to appeal to Republic of China, the overseas remnants after the revolution that uh, occupy many holdings, including, of course, the territories given to them during World War II. And the thing is, it's not really someone that you can trust, but if there is something that you can count on them is that you will find someone corrupt enough to work with you or in enough despair. And of course, the partition between the US and UK of most of the Japan, there is the territory of East Japan, which is basically the biggest military camp in the world that uh, is also one of the major aggregate of different military ports and airports for the United States. And ever since 10 years ago, it's also from where they run their extrasolar space gate program. And the thing is, well, it is, well, right from the pan into the fire and then into the volcano that you are cooking on somehow, it is also where the secret moon wars were waging from to keep it a secret from the general population. So Highwaymen will have a certain advantage there, despite all risk. The other option is to kind of big dick it and just swing your ovaries riding on your diplomatic status from a few weeks ago, hoping that it still holds and visit the British-controlled domain of West Japan. So, what is going to be your vector of entry? So, I like to cross off going through West Japan because I'm tired of the British. I've had enough. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Yeah. 
I don't even want to look at a pale imitation of the actual place. But I think our best options are either to go through the Soviet Republic and just accept the fact that they're going to know we went through it or swing through East Japan. I think when you say swing through East Japan, it's fairly subtle, but you do see a little bit of the color drain out of Johnny's face. He is made very uncomfortable by the prospect of being kind of that close in proximity to kind of that previous part of his life where he was so involved in the ops from the Lunar War. He, I think, kind of like just sort of idly shuffles some papers and then just like, I think I'd uh, I'd prefer to go through the, the Soviet state, I think, if, if possible. I recognize that that will just kind of result in us having been spotted in a way that does sort of, I, I think, fit our interest a little bit more. I'm not a entirely opposed to the to the Chinese option, but uh, I do recognize that, that window has its negatives. I think we might be best going through the Soviet option as well. Uh, like, I'm wondering how berserk here Joachim is even going to go about not being spotted. That was a concern of mine. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, they are they are a 7-5 but tall white person in Japan. I don't know what, what Japan is like in this. Um, if there is mono, well, as claiming to be mono uh, ethnic as they were in, as they are in our world. I know they're not mono ethnic. I, I know that they, they are, they just claim to be. No, it's not Yamato supremacist. If that is what you are wondering. Okay. Okay. Again, the nation and the empire of Japan have been dissolved. Yeah. After the Soviets declared war on them and started the invasion of Hokkaido and forced them to surrender. Plus, with Tokyo being the city of spies, I imagine that there's very much the effect that Berlin had in our access or someone looks really out of place, you go out of your way not to mention it. Yeah. Okay. Also... A white person on East or West Japan will probably not stand out that much. Mm-hmm. Maybe it will stand maybe a bit more on uh, the Republican Japan or on the so territories. Ludo, I have a question for you. Do we have extant operatives in Tokyo? Like, do we have people there? Yes, uh, that's how you learn about these things that happen. You have those that are living in Tokyo. Could I reach out to one of those folks in the dose and contact them and basically say, hey, can you please book us a hotel room, like set us up with like that sort of stuff? Basically, what I'm looking at doing is I want them to go to a hotel room, check in, make sure that the door is open, that the keys are all in there and everything so that we can have Voidwalker teleport directly into the hotel room so that when we do enter Tokyo, it's like fully not spotted. Yeah, that's a given. You have someone in Tokyo even if they might not be a fully dose, you have someone that is clearly doing the arrangements, getting you an apartment, getting you good documentations for your cover. You have people doing this for you in advance. Fantastic. This is why the most important thing is that you get close enough for you to teleport and that you don't get the attention of anyone as you slip in into the new identities. Yeah, that is that is I think what Johnny would be mostly concerned with at this point being kind of a tactics person. 
So just another clarification. There was no atomic bomb hit Japan in World War II. Is that correct? No, because uh, that psychopath Truman was never close to the White House. Oh, good. We love to see it. So, yeah, this is why they had to make the partition, because the Soviets had time to declare war and invade. So, yeah. The other problem is if we go through the Soviet Republic of Ezo, Ezo? Edzo? Edzo? I don't know how it's spelled. They're going to know we're going to go through there. That's a given. But we're probably going to need a cover to explain why we're there so that our main objective doesn't get spoiled. Yeah, I was going to say, was, they can they can know people went through there. It doesn't necessarily have to be knowing who we are. Right. So you want to do two layers of disguise? Well, a layer of disguise there, change different clothes when we get to Tokyo? Yeah, that seems kind of the best way to cover our tracks as much as we can. This is going to be rough. Yeah, it's uh, not going to be easy. Historically, our hit rate with uh, maintaining cover identities is absolutely spotless. So I have no I, I'm sure that this is going to go perfectly according to plan. You know, I think it's you. That's a hurtful thing to say. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just want to say as Berserkier walks in in a very loud, garish outfit. Just a bright color 70s jumpsuit. Yeah. <laughs> at, standing at 6'5", long flowing blonde hair. Seven five. Sorry, seven five. I forgot. Uh, ginger hair too. So yeah. Please. Oh no, I think it's not Berserk here. I think it's you. Whenever we team up, the cover breaks. Maybe it's both of us. Maybe we're nitro and glycerin. But yeah, as you're saying that, you see Void Walker come in carrying a big camping luggage with her shoes. They they literally have night coming out as she walks, wearing a baseball cap in Garrett clothes, carrying a bat and this orange blue super noticeable jacket. What are you talking about? Protecting cover identities. You look good. Um I'm sure no one will notice. Might have to dress down. Johnny's mouth is just kind of hanging half open, just like it's like he was about to say something, and then John was like, You look good, and he was just like mm-hmm. Might have to dress down a little bit. Alright, so we go through the Soviet Republic, we get close, our cover story is we did nuclear scientists last time. Railway engineers? I do feel like the railway one worked out pretty well. I mean, like until it, you know, until stuff kind of popped off. But I just, I mean, at the time that worked out just fine. Yeah, I think it should work. All right. um, We'll be railway engineers just there to do some looking and we'll teleport out. Voidwalker, you agree? Hmm. I have to say that's going to be a bit risky unless because, you know, the territories from the Soviet Republic, they are probably the furthest away from Tokyo. So we would probably need to get into Soviet Tokyo, which might be easy because it's a tourist center. So we go get there, but then we will be at risk because anyone with a city pass might recognize us if they saw it as, you know, while we were as tourists. Hang on, there might be something to that. You make a great point. Of course, anybody's going to anybody who knows our faces is just going to know them. Ludo, what are the chances I would know someone in Santiago connected to System 4 or otherwise that might be just good at, like, I'm thinking, like, full theatrical disguise. 
just like they can throw on like some like some spirit gum some fake facial hair i mean just like the whole works of just like make your face look like it's not your face what are the odds that i know someone like that i mean there has to be someone that you know that can do that Ooh, you know who it could be <laughs> It could be it could be someone who's in the theater department of the university I teach at. Yeah, I was thinking community theater or of his first thought or maybe someone that did prosthetics for veterans as a second one. But that third one seems like a good one. Because, I mean, we have established that Johnny is uh, a lover of theater. I'm going to turn my mic down a little bit. I think it's coming a little hot. Um, yeah, we've established that Johnny's kind of a lover of theater. So it would make a little bit of sense, I think, if I at least had sort of a casual rapport with them as Dr. Willard Cash. Yeah, I, I'll kind of float that as an option. Turn to Voidwalker and say, you know, I actually, in sort of my day job, I do know someone who can like set us up with like, you know, I mean, it'll be stage makeup. It'll be kind of uncomfortable. I mean, we could be even facially pretty well disguised. That's an option that anybody has a particular interest in. So, you know, that Voidwalker starts clapping and laughing at the big idea. Take from that what you will. All right, so that's one in favor. Anybody else? I mean, sometimes the most classic tricks work the best in this sort of thing. Show up, get our day passes in the makeup, get there, discard makeup, discard day pass. That's yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. I I feel like that's probably sort of the most expedient solution. I I I'm still confused. Why can't we just go there? Remember we went over how um, certain countries don't like us and how borders work and how they're kind of dumb. Uh, yes. Okay. It's that bullshit. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, it's that, but ramped up to like 11. It's yeah. That, that's a good question. Why Why don't you just say that you want me to enroll in the Golden Horizon Conservatory and fly directly there to the British territory? Well, I think as soon as we even sort of sent that letter, there would be a number of people in Tokyo who might have an interest in in you and me and John, maybe even in Bezerkir, just sort of. Well, wouldn't that happen anyways? Like, I, I mean, it's, if it's as bullshitty and spy-y as possible, I, I'm pretty sure we're going to get spotted once we step outside by s- Almost certainly that is the case. To me, it's just a matter of a sort of a wildfire versus a controlled burn. All right. If we're, you know, if, if we slow down sort of the spread of this information as best we can, we might have a little more control over it. Mm. Plus, in Tokyo, the great powers are all glaring at each other with their terrifying weapons and supers they're eager to unleash on each other. They'll be a little less jumpy in there because... Nobody wants to kick off that uh, powder keg. But on our way to and from, without a good cover, we're a little under risk. Once we're in the city, nobody wants to be throwing bolts energy when the U.S. could call in the Max or uh, the so- what? whatever the Soviet team's named. You know, it, it makes a mess of things. If we can sneak in, by the time they realize we're there, no one will want to light a match to check out anything. Huh, okay. I guess you also don't want to spook the royals because the moment they get sense that something is iffy, they might leave the island. Also a significant risk. Yeah, we can't we can't have folks just bolting on us. We kind of need to make sure that they don't have the chance to to piss off until, you know, we're uh, right up close and personal. So you are dead set into going through it? I mean, 
it is entirely possible that there's possibilities I'm not considering. I'd love to hear your take. Well, I can see why you don't want to deal with the fascists of the, the junta of the Chinese Republic or, uh, you know, their former war criminals, collaborators of the defeated Japanese government. But there's a lot of people that uh, are discontented with their role. Maybe they could be willing to help us. I, I know it's very difficult to trust anyone on that paranoid police state, but uh, uh, I don't know. There might be people that don't have much to lose. They're pretty desperate, but might want to help us. They don't have a dose there, but yeah, that's the problem. I mean, you are raising good points. Uh, we may, you know, while we do have the dose in ESO, I mean, if if we are dealing in a situation where we can just utilize the resources at hand, that may not be the biggest hindrance. We still have our dose in Tokyo. That's kind of that's really sort of the the necessity as far as I'm concerned. Would that be an easier shot for you as far as teleportation goes? I think I can teleport from Kyushu. Or uh, there's always cargo containers coming in and out from there to Tokyo. I think we can easily get into one of those and teleport once I'm close enough. That might be the case. Yeah. Gang, what do y'all think? I'm not opposed. I was thinking the Soviets might be our easiest shot, but if you think we've got a better shot, I mean, teleporting people is your field of expertise. I can make anything work. Well, I can work with any case, honestly. Once I am someone here, Archipelago is going to be much easier. I mean, the further away, the more likelihood of something going wrong. I'm kind of curious. Can't we just take like maybe a small boat from uh, and teleport from like the bay or something? Yeah, but how do you want to sneak around, uh, you know, the biggest stack of navies in the world? You have the British colonial navy there. You have the Pacific fleet. You have a small Soviet fleet. You also have whatever remains of the Chinese Republican fleet. Okay, so a lot of bigger boats then. A lot of bigger boats with a lot of eyes. I mean, there are smugglers, so... They had to be way seen, so... It's just getting in contact with smugglers, and they're, they're, they're never cheap. Smugglers, they, even if you're going halfway with a smuggler, it's like, it's never, never in your favor. And they're usually pretty quick to sell you out. That too. Well, I just proposed the, the other alternative, because if we're gonna go with basically trying to defeat the espionage with boldness, that would be an option. It would be like, you know, if we went to to West Japan and uh, we presented that we are interested in buying weapons from the weapons manufacturers there, everyone will be following us around. But, uh, you know, while we would have the attention on our actual identities, we could give them the split and disappear. The domain is a choice, but I'm worried that with our recent attention from the Brits, they're going to be a little jumpier around us. I was counting on that again, because we want all eyes on us as we go buying stuff on these weapons deals, and then we just disappear. It's the just disappear part 
Yeah, I think there might be sort of more sensation around if we are very in the public eye and then just vanish. I have a feeling a lot of folks would get notified immediately. Hey, we had these significant people here and all of a sudden they're gone. Look for them everywhere. Plus, the Irish already are having a hard time trusting us. I don't think if we showed up and started making nice with their royals, it would help any. Well, we are talking about weapon dealers. They sell weapons to everyone, including the Irish. That's something that you can count uh, on them. Fair. I got a weird question, Ludo. Out of character. What happened with Border Gore? Well, Border Gore is supposedly his back working uh, missions for the Soviets. Well, welcome to the Crimson Gold Agony Zone, where we talk about our show. (laughs) (laughs) What's the deal with Philip the Dolphin? (laughs) I do want to find out what's going on, but we'll talk about Philippe later. That is the other advantage to going through the North. Bordegor might be willing to help us out a little. He's all right once you get to know him. I'm going to be honest, I don't hate it. And if there's one person who the Soviets put a lot of trust in, it's Bordegor. Sure, he's a bit of a character, but I mean, who can, who in this room can't say the same? <laughs> Johnny just looks around at like this kid in just multicolored clothes who can teleport, and the sleeveless man standing next to him, the seven foot five figure with bright ginger hair and in a neon jumpsuit, and himself in a trench coat and a Stetson hat with a high-powered sniper rifle strapped to his back, and he's like, you are making a strong point. Well, problem is, we're talking about a veteran of World War II that was fighting fascists, supers everywhere. I'm pretty sure there are plenty of people in Japan that hate him for that. Maybe that's the that's that might be the advantage that we are kind of looking at when we're talking about going in through the West. Instead of all eyes on us, it could be all eyes on Border Gore. And considering sort of his reputation, he might actually be a little bit more interesting to look at. So if we utilize his assistance, he could kind of keep the focus on himself long enough for us to slip in and out real quick. And then we can get you close enough to teleport. I realize it's a little bit of a further distance, but that might be sort of a cleaner entry. And then we can just move right into the the accommodations the dose have set up. Oh, that's actually might be a great idea to ask Border Guard to cause a distraction. But that's a good idea no matter from which side we are coming. We should definitely ask him to be the distraction, and then we can have an easier time anywhere. So let's lock this in. I think there's a happy plan between all of these. I think going in through the domain might work. There, It's a little risky, but I think we could do it. With Border Gore causing a distraction, I think we get close, teleport in, get to work, use... I'll say this. Why don't we go ahead and just also use the the double cover identities as we're doing this? That way, even less likely people are looking at us, much more likely they're looking at Border Gore. We teleport in, shed that first identity, move into the second. And you know what? A cover as Americans buying weapons. I mean, I think it's an easy one for us. I do have one concern, and that's just with Border Gore. Do, the, does he owe us a favor or will we owe him a favor after this? I have a feeling we'll end up owing him, but Bordegore isn't a bad sort. I don't think he'll make us do anything we'd regret. I don't know about that, but uh, we'll see. I will say this, at the least he's anti-fascist, and that's definitely the kind of person I'd rather owe a favor to than, say, somebody on the side of one of the Imperials. 
Mm. Well, I mean, he works for the Soviet Empire, so... Yeah. The thing that uh, that I'm worried, which is not going to be a factor if we go to the domain, is that someone from one of the three Soviet factions will probably try to use this to some advantage on the contest of leadership. That is a legitimate concern. But realistically, we kind of have bigger fish to fry in the moment. And I I will say this, no matter which way you slice the end of the Soviet leadership standoff, I don't think any of them are truly ideal for us. So while somebody might almost certainly use it to their advantage, that's just kind of, you know, that is going to be a later problem at some point. I mean, maybe let me step out of character. Hi, I'm Sam and I'm playing the role of Highwayman. Maybe I'm misunderstanding this as a player. It seems to me that no matter who wins that struggle, it's bad. The the stalemate is great, but like the stalemate will end at some point. Is there a good option? I, I, I don't remember that part that well. Mm, mm, uh, that's that is a raid that has merit. The thing is, there are definitely two really bad options, Andropov and Chernenko. But Romanov is kind of a wild card, especially in terms about reconciliation with China and uh, relationships with the cybernetic and the third world movement. So it's like if if his faction does not get enough power or influence, that might be a worst outcome overall. So yeah, it's more complicated than that. But that can be a read that as long as the three are at each other's throats, it's fine. How does Border Gore feel about Romanov? Are we are we aware of that? Is he a fan of Romanov specifically or is he bigger on one of the other two? He's neutral, but he hates the other two, so. Could we? Sorry, now I'm slipping back. I'm, I'm switching back into the character of Highwayman. Could we potentially set this up in such a way as to maybe give Romanov even a little bit of a boost, sort of just as far as the PR of the situation? I'm thinking, like, maybe, you know, this distraction that we got Border Gore set up, somehow he makes it look like it was a problem that one of the other two initiated, and maybe somehow we can paint Romanov in a little bit of a better light. Probably have to talk to the man himself, but I think that might be a solid plan. Yeah, I think I think we'd have to talk to him first, but I feel like given that he is not a fan of sort of two negative outcomes there, I think he'd be happy to at least, you know, put their feet to her, to the fire a little bit, maybe set Romanov up to kind of be at least a little bit of a better, a more appealing option, so that if there is a power shift, it's in favor of at least the one who is less likely to be openly antagonistic. Are you sure about that? That time you and Romanov fought against anti-serum, you kind of made him look bad. Last time you, Ercolds, worked together, he actually lost a lot of fights. Oh, yeah. Well, let's try. Let's give it a shot. I think it's the best plan. Yeah, I mean, we might owe him one. Not ideal, but... I mean, he owes us one. We helped him out when he was sad. Yeah, I think this might be our best option. Uh, you want to call the British or you want to... You know what? You know what? No, I lived amongst the British. Highwayman, you call the British. I'll call Border Corps. Yeah, all right. I can do that. I, I, I'm going to call my friend at the theater department, too, uh, just to get us really decked out. 
So each of you is going to be in charge of doing something. So that's going to be three challenges that you need to overcome. One is establish the meeting with the, the British weapons companies. Another is create your identities. And the third one is to establish a reliable connection with the Soviet Republic of Exo and Border Guard to get these coordinated. I think that the person who should establish a contact with the British should actually be Berserkir in his theater guys. <laughs> Uh, he is buying he is buying a shipment of weapons to go see an incredibly important performance of some sort of play in an incredibly dangerous part of the world. And he's a mercenaries. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. This is the best show. We are amazing. Yeah. So, Carl, the theater critic is back. <laughs> Carl, <laughs> the return of Carl. <laughs> this is a good podcast. Why don't we have six million subscribers? I don't fucking get it. This is the best podcast. <laughs> All right. I, I, I guess I'll become Carl, who is a real person, by the way. Real person, Carl Forsberg. <laughs> yeah. Well, not a real person, but a real person in our world. Joachim is handling being Carl Forsberg and setting up our weapons thing. John is handling the Soviet reach out with the meetup with Border Gore. What's my thing? What is what is the one I'm doing? I'm losing track. Theater friend for disguised stuff, I thought. Oh, yeah. I'm just setting up cover identities. And establishing yeah, the covers. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. For, for sure. I, yeah, I'll have my theater friend help us work up the entire identity. That's like their, their whole deal. They're good at that. Yeah. That's bad. I'm sorry. I failed. I got an at one. No, I didn't. Uh, you can sit with a major twist or fail with the shoes. If ever there was a time to take twists, it's right now at the very beginning. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. A major twist. Let's get spicy. Yes. Let's get spicy. Mm-mm-mm. So let's see how it's going with the others. That means it's my turn. Mm-hmm. Going to reach out to the theater department. Uh, so I reach out to a couple of my friends in the theater department there, and I'm going to be leaning on the principal of the tactician for this one because this is tactics shit. Pretty, pretty straightforward. So it says overcome when you can flash back to how you prepare for this exact situation. I think one of the reasons that, despite the fact that Johnny really likes the theater and has enjoyed seeing their productions and stuff, he is a pragmatic person. So he probably has been cultivating these friendships for some time, being like, this could be really useful to have in my pocket at some point. So I will be rolling uh, precognition, leadership, and my status die. And I get to use the max one, which is great. And I'm going to burn one of my plus ones from last issue as well. I got a seven. Seven's pretty good. I think that that's a... Is that a minor twist, Ludo? Mm, uh, I'm not sure if... Yeah, it's a minor twist. What variable did my plan not account for? Ooh, ooh, sounds nice. And Jondo? I'm going to go through the spy chain of phone calls to reach Bordergore and try to convince him, like, look, this will help both of us out, you know. Please don't make me owe you a favor. Uh, It'll be super cool. We'll get to, you know, you'll get to cause a big distraction. Please don't make us owe you a favor. I got a nine. Nine is a good number. (laughs) Yay. Yeah, and uh, again, there will be no hiccups on that part. 
technically we all succeeded in our own ways. <laughs> you did. You are going to get to Tokyo. Don't worry about that. That part is a given. Now, we cut to you landing from a private jet in a military private airport right next to a big complex. And as you come out of the airplane, what do we see? Well, at least for Johnny, were we... Sorry, we've talked about a lot of stuff. I'm, I, I've lost the plot a little bit. Were we pretending to be tourists? No, we're pretending to be buying weapons, right? We are here to help Carl Forsberg acquire weapons to arm mercenaries to guard him as he goes to see a play in a very dangerous part of the world. Right, of course. The classic ruse that everyone does. I think I would have procured us mercenary ass looking gear uh just like all of that for at least as far as johnny's stuff goes he is this honestly is somewhat fairly familiar for him he's wearing like combat boots and fatigues and i think he is wearing kind of i mean like just like uh, like a very simple like undershirt type thing and then like a rough fabric button down shirt on top of that and then would this be a colder part of Japan or hotter? Whichever you prefer. They have enough territory that they have variancy. I think the goal would probably be that wherever we're meeting these weapon merchants, we're trying to find a part that would be fairly close to Tokyo. So I'm assuming it's probably reasonably, uh, let's say reason, like the temperature is actually pretty reasonable then because it's not one of the times of year where Tokyo is hot as hell. So, yeah, going to be that button down sort of stuff. It doesn't look like it's affiliated with any particular like any particular military kind of leaning into the whole idea of it being a mercenary company. So it's not it while they are sort of militaristic clothes, they are worn in a very unceremonious way. Johnny has put in some of the most temporary hair dye possible so that his hair is no longer sort of a salt and peppery kind of dark brown. Now it is just kind of a straight gray I think he is even wearing... No, color contacts probably didn't exist at this point. So yeah, he also probably has like a maybe like a, a big spirit gum scar over one eye that he does not normally have, even though he normally does have a scar on the other portion of his face. So he just looks a little more grizzled. He's also put on some fake tattoos all up one of his arms that look like they might be indicative of some culture or another, but they don't really actually lean into literally any any world culture if you put them under scrutiny like that and he's carrying let's say a submachine gun i think as long as that wouldn't draw extra attention i'm assuming that considering this is a weapons deal sort of place that people do carry firearms that's mine i'm not going to speak for anybody else john has a long white wig applied instead of the hair dye to cover up his his thoroughly shortcut hair he is wearing the mercenary super suit so Genuinely, like the mid 2000s, very like utilitarian gray leather and armor plates, maybe some sort of a knife, no other gear. He's shaved and his chin's been softened by uh, various uh, spear gum and prosthetic. He looks like most people assume he's got some sort of energy projection power. He is blending in as the normal mercenary super. Okay, so I guess since we've never really established Carl Forsberg yet, I'm pretty sure the theater kid 
who dressed me up as Carl Forsberg, probably knew Carl Forsberg's look, at least how they choose to look uh, in public, at least. So I'm probably dressed in this. His personality was pretty it's got to be similar to the way Joachim dresses normally or else they wouldn't be confused with them. But a little different. Um, still kind of garish outfits, but a little bit more on the browner side than the colorful side of the outfits. So, yeah, that's been uh, Joachim's hair is put up in a bun. Bit more trimmed on the beard than what they normally do. I mean, shorter, uh, probably a goatee at this point. And yeah, that that's it. So the thing that your plans fail to take into consideration is because you're going to have to impersonate a family between the four of you, you did not expect the amount of luggage that you will be carrying. So you have the jet filled with these bags and boxes and you have somehow to make those disappear with you. And sitting atop this pile is a very annoyed Void Walker wearing a yellow sundress and a straw hat. Well, it's time to improvise. Now, Ludo, we would know this. So I'm going to ask you as uh, something that John Doe would be familiar with. Distance is the big problem for Void Walker. She can do multiple teleports without like passing out. Yeah. So as we land and as this problem, uh, before we fully encounter our gracious hosts, uh, we're going to huddle up. All right, I've got a plan. I think it's pretty elegant. Half of us go our elegant hosts for breakfast. Uh, let them wine and dine us before they show us the factories. You know, that's usually the schedule on these things. While two of us do that, one of us stays here and guards Void Walker as she starts teleporting the luggage. Once they come back, when we go to the tour of the factory, which is when the plan's supposed to go off, we'll all go and we'll teleport. Oh, that might draw too much attention. I think it's better, you know, nobody gonna guess if the kid stays behind. So I stay behind, I slowly make jumps as I start carrying the luggage, and after I'm done, I make the final jump. What about us? Or is that including us? No, I'm going to come back to pick you up for the final jump. Yeah. Oh, okay. That works for me. Yeah. Then I should better get to it. And yeah, so the consequence of you not accounting for the luggage is that, yeah, Voidwalker going to be left behind handling that. So you're going to be separate from her as long as you are in the domain of West Japan. And you're going to rendezvous when you get to Tokyo and she comes get you. Hopefully we won't be here for fucking law. Goddamn British. <laughs> yeah, so how does Carl introduce himself? There is a group of executives and their security guards waiting on the tire park as ready to take them on luxury care car to the factory proper. So I go up with the other two, and uh, uh, hello, I am Carl Forsberg, most definitely Carl Forsberg, uh, are, and you are? My name is Ravati Zamindar. I'm responsible for this section, and I do public relationships for a company. I heard that you wanted to make a visit to our locations rather than contact us to our office in Tokyo. I'm here to give you a tour 
and introduce you to some of our staff. Excellent. I want to know that I'm dealing with top quality people. Oh, we are working with the best that there are. Please get in. I get in. <laughs> Do the other two make it in? Oh, I'm I'm definitely doing the like I've got a terrifying superpower. Certainly not just the ability to punch things real hard. Slow walk, silent nod, gets in. Yeah, I think Johnny is doing a lot of like very military-esque, like scanning the entire area and making sure that I am essentially right in lockstep with Joachim on the right side. So I would get in pretty much as soon as they did. So what are you interested in particular that will need this visit? Uh, I was thinking mostly small arms, light machine guns, yeah, sidearms. Nothing with a lot of collateral damage. We don't want to ruin the sets. What do you mean? Well, the sets of the play. We don't want to ruin the sets of the play if something goes wrong. Those sets are very expensive, and most theater budgets are not as generous as Broadway would have you believe. So you won't be interested in more sophisticated work? Yes. Targeted and contained as much as possible. With good stopping power, though. We need the stopping power. I see, I see. Well, I can assure you that we have the best that you can find in artillery here, but I don't think artillery is what you are looking for. Unless you are counting to deal with unruly crowds. Johnny, I think, would have basically like coached Bezerkir ahead of time, just being like, if you need clarifications of whatever kind, literally just look at me and I can give you sort of like the nod or the whatever. Just playing as like, I am the person in charge of this mercenary company. But realistically, it's just so that he can prompt them appropriately as like also someone who has a military background and knows shit about this. Yeah. So at any point, Bezerkir can look to Johnny for clarification. We don't need artillery for what you're talking about. Don't let them upsell you. <laughs> They're arms dealers. They work retail. They're trying to upsell you. You know, do you need a howitzer? No, but might you in the future? <laughs> God damn it. Also, no, I am a theater critic. Look, I'm just saying I saw a riot after that performance of Twelfth Night. <laughs> I don't think we'll need any of the heavy artillery. Glance at the Johnny. Yeah, Johnny just sort of does that thing where he kind of just purses his lips just a little bit and kind of nods just like, nah, we don't need that. Hmm, I see. So, well, he are here and uh, the car turns and you you see that you are entering the industrial complex of Kitanotoshi and... Uh, as you come out, you see these massive assembly lines where they seem to be putting multiple copies of the same gun and there is a firing range. Please feel free to test. We'll look at Johnny and nod. He steps forward and picks up one of these things and starts like, I mean, he goes through the full kind of rigmarole of like inspecting all of the different parts and everything and like making sure that everything's in proper firing order and then loads a clip and points it at the firing range and Ludo, do I need to roll to see how well I shoot? Because I feel like I shoot pretty good. Uh, you're not going to shoot very good with this one because you are yielding an SCA 80. Gross. Why would you <laughs> be mad? Just the biggest reaction <laughs> Ask why they're keeping the real guns and be bad. Yeah, and you can see 
the man beaming. This is the ultimate in British engineering. This is what we are replacing the entire British army with starting next year. I am like inspecting this thing and sort of just there is a growing sense of like being disgruntled. Is he lying about the fact that they're replacing the British thing with the thing? That sounds like some horseshit. Oh, no, he's speaking the truth. You just see the plastic of it. And uh, as you are shooting it, it starts eating on your hands and it smells awful. I think I kind of like set it down. And I pull out my own submachine gun and uh, point it at the firing range. And and I say, do you have anything a little bit more uh, in this vein of things? And I go ahead and sink like just a perfect cluster of shots right in the head of the target. Ah, I see. I see you want more specialized work. Yeah, specialized would be preferable. We aren't anticipating long-range engagements. We're looking for something mid to short. Well, how about a classic? Well, a spin on a class. And it takes you to another smaller line where you can see there are few gunsmiths that are working on prototypes. These are the new variants that uh, we're going to be sending to Canada. They... They had a combination between the old L1A1 and the AR-15. You can see the combination between the two types. And we have both a carbine and a rifle model that we are testing. Feel free to use them. I pick one of these up and start going through the same kind of procedures, inspecting it piece by piece. Brad, I'm going to defer to you as the resident gun knower. That sounds more reasonable to me. The carbine would be really what, again, if we're trying to sell, this is our characters that we're doing. The carbine is probably what we'd want to go for. It's a perfectly fine piece. The carbine would just be better suited for what, like, our cover story needs. Yeah. Um, An important part of this, and to get us closer to the teleport destination, I need, uh, the theater critic needs to complain it is not fancy enough. They will bring us more into the factory to show us fancy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely need something with more, I don't know if you say it in the gun business, but as we say it in show business, more pizzazz, more flash. Yeah, after I do a quick round of shots, I say, yeah, this is uh, serviceable. I see. Well, I don't think I need to sell you these kind of guns. They don't tend to be flashy because you want them to be easy, easy to replace, easy to clean. Usually flashes for things like revolvers. Well, our client does need us to have proper sidearms, so if you could show us um, something unique. Mm-hmm. Well, I have, uh, and uh, it takes you to an office where it can show you a bunch of photos. Let's say we have here a few selections of uh, bunt lines and a few Krigov guns. Unfortunately, they are at our office in Tokyo. Allow me to briefly interrupt by describing the butt line because it's the most ridiculous goddamn gun in existence. It is a very long barrel revolver that is usually, if you're going very traditionally, were silver plated. They are exactly what you would think as a pizzazzy gun. Demand to see them in the office of Tokyo. That's the perfect cover. I'm looking at one of these now, and this is the most Johnny Jennings bullshit I've ever seen in my life. Uh, yeah, I think Johnny would sort of gently nudge Joachim and just like nod, just like sort of emphatically just being like, yeah, tell him we want that. So uh, 
this is such a drag, uh, but I cannot have my mercenaries not be as stylish as myself is. So, uh, and Joachim says the phrase a drag. Johnny makes a note on the in the mental bingo card of, of 70s lingo that he was just like, you should try saying stuff like this. <laughs> OK, how many guns per crate, by the way? Like, because I, I, we got to buy in bulk. This, they wouldn't be even talking to us if we were buying like one or two of these items. This is these are bulk sellers. It's not per crate. You just say how many you need and they will cut down a crate to fit your needs. So let's say you need like 200 of everything. Yeah. 200 sound good. Or I don't know if I'll be having, I don't know how much is in a private military, honestly. <laughs> so yeah, I'll just say, yeah, I say 200 of these. 200 in such a short notice. Mm, it can be arranged, but uh, it can be arranged, but only on a lease model, unfortunately. Some of these are historical guns and we will want to, to have them back. We certainly can sell in the service guns. We gonna have to lease that. And unfortunately, we will require you to take some of the people that work with us to join your mercenary group. I will now look at Johnny. Like, Boy, what do we do? <laughs> this is the twist. Before we lease anything, if these are being regularly leased out, I would certainly like to see this product. Make sure it works pr- properly. Agreed. Unless I can put hands on the weapon, I'm not really that interested in, in purchasing it. Well, it's not your money, but uh, if if you insist, I think my men would like to test them out first. Well, so long as inspection of the firearms goes well, I speak for myself and the captain of this mercenary company. That's equitable. Excellent. How about you meet some of our people then? So now it's going to be your turn to make some freaks. So each of you, give me your mercenary group. Give me some freaks. Is it time to pour out the bag of freaks? It's time for you to make the freaks. I love making freaks. I'm going to steal Sam's shtick. I might make one of the other veterans of the secret lunar war. Uh, I think I got... Can can it be a group of freaks? Yeah, that's the thing. You're making a group of... You're making three different groups of freaks. And then you're going to have to pick one. The freak I would like to present is the worst sort of freak. I'd like to present, and I'll throw her name up. This is Earthshine. Earthshine is a secret moon war veteran turned for a while freelance mercenary turned employee for the British selling guns. She has light-based powers and is otherwise the poster like was used very heavily in ad campaigns for Soldier Fortune magazine and has featured as mercenaries, not just for the men anymore. She is genuinely just interested in making money as fast as she can and doesn't really talk about the moon war whether because she was very heavily involved or because she was only there as propaganda piece that's between her and uh we'll say she's from the u.s over the top light manipulator who just happens also not just a bubbly little girl boss but also a war criminal and a corporate sellout which type of people she has on her company she probably worked closely with a lot of, for lack of a better term, like combat engineers. Her light-based powers being pretty good at that sort of thing. She has similar powers at the lens flare. So probably effectively combat engineers who 
are there to monitor to make sure we're not throwing these weapons away uselessly, but also understanding like, hey, sometimes these have to be destroyed. The company will just write them off as insurance. Sappers was the term I was looking for. All right. Show me the other freaks. Okay. So I don't know how we feel about robots. They're freaky. Uh, yeah, they are freaky. So this one is an odd robot. They, they won't take like land destruction missions or animal destruction missions. They're more urban focused. They're very kind of this nature loving robot who, you know, whose goal was to kill a particular person in the like he was specifically designed to kill a super who accidentally died of natural causes ironically before the robot could get to them so the robot is now at all times kind of surrounded by birds and small critters they're called led led uh, 16 and they they specialize in like basically taking out supers like the the basically almost ones like border gore almost but they they just haven't been put into action recently since uh, World War II or something like that. We'll see. I, I like this freak. This is too good of a freak to stay here. We're stealing this. Since Brad took the Moon War veteran one, I don't want mine to be a Moon War veteran. Hmm. Fail son from a uh, failed super ch- super son from a former piece of European nobility. He still uses whatever lordly title was technically his that no longer exists. I I love this. This is exactly what I want. Yes. Let's say he's Dutch. Gross. Because that's funny. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I kind of want to make it more topical and make it Norway because fuck Norway right now. I don't know if they fix that little. What did Norway do? Uh, they're basically banned transition therapy almost and are forcing people to detransition. He's Norwegian. <laughs> and sucks and is terrible. Uh, he is a fail son from a fail family. I mean, the, I guess the rest of the family originally didn't fail. They're not doing so great these days, but he is he is their most recent loser that formerly controlled holdings of like, I don't know, oil or some shit. Power is he's got a magic belt that lets him turn into a werewolf like creature. Oh, that's fun. I do like that. Magic item parentheses stolen parentheses former pagan. Yeah. Yep. And his code name is Ulfendar. Yeah, that. What does that mean in a literal? I don't know the literal mean, but it was actually a brand of sword that Vikings made that was like used crucible steel instead of the usual way that was iron was made in uh, that time in that period. That is perfect. Wolf, I know, means wolf, but I don't remember what the rest of it means. I, I, I used to long time ago, but it's also kind of ironically aside to the berserkir. You know, where the Berserkir was bear, the Ulfendar was wolf. So we we all kind of almost created each other's villains here. <laughs> so are you pleased with art contracts? I assure you, they are the best in the business. You're going to be pretty pleased to have them join your company. Are we pleased with this situation? No, but we're just going to say we are so we get to inspect the weapons and then bounce. Fantastic. Then Johnny would look at Joachim and give kind of a very curt kind of nod. And that's his contribution. I will nod and respond. Yes, I I believe they are acceptable. Can we look at the weapons now? Wait, are you picking the two of them? Oh, we have to pick. Uh, Let me confer with my friends. Which one do we want? 
don't know if we should pick Earthshine because Moonvet always means that there's a chance that she could be like, wait a minute, I know you. If the android's really good at detecting supers, I think we're left with the European fail son. Which is honestly fine because we could probably whip his ass. So if we needed to, we, we, we're going to hope not to. But hey, that's Queen Elizabeth's fifth cousin once removed and then re-added. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that solidifies my answer. That'll work. Is Queen Elizabeth still the queen in this timeline? Is she the same? We have, do we have the same Queen Elizabeth? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you, you sounded pretty bummed when you said that, and I think that's very reasonable. Because I still haven't announced her death, despite hinting at it so many times. She's dead. She's fucking dead. <laughs> she's dead. She's fucking dead. Yeah, she's dead. We know. So yeah, Elfender and these boys, they seem quite pleased. And uh, yeah, Elfender is going to take you to Tokyo. And on our office, you're going to get your pick from our illustrious collection. And then you're going to sign the contract. Have a nice journey. Well, thank you so much for your time. Johnny just nods curtly and remains kind of in lockstep with Joachim. We got funds to pay for this, right? We need to. Or are we just letting the check bounce? And I'm whispering this to to Johnny. <laughs> like, are we paying for this or are we just saying we're going to pay for this and then just not deliver on our payment and not get the weapons? Because I don't know if we need the weapons at all for System 4. Like, this was all just a cover, so it's like, we don't need to pay these guys, and we don't need the weapons. Yeah, I think it's the latter. Yeah, I think it's... I think they're probably going to want payment after, like, I unless these are... I mean, they are British, so they are very polite. But I think, I hope that they expect us to pay them after we've got, like, our after we've inspected the crates and such, and we're just not going to be there. It's going to be real awkward for them. So we get to you on a ferry on your way to Tokyo. And aboard there, it seems to be a crew that works for the company and also Ulfendar and six of his lads. And they seem to be... I want to say they all wear like certain dog type of uh, canine predator masks. Oh, for sure. Absolutely, they do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, again, they wear vibrant colors, that, you know... They become mercenaries, so they look like a bunch of sparkle dogs. Fantastic. 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 Also, I'm really bummed that we brought back lads, that there are lads in this again. That's that's a real shame. I love the lads. I like beating up the lads. Then you're going to get your wish because... Ah, fuck. Suddenly, <laughs> they point your guns at you and Dolphengar steps forward. I can smell money on you, and I have not liked your mug ever since I seen you. I don't know your name, but for sure you're not Carl. But you know what? I get the feeling that you will be worth a petty penny. So surrender yourselves. We are kidnapping you. Well, I guess that solves one problem. This is the most polite kidnapping I've ever been part of. Oh. Yeah, I've never had someone inform me that I was being kidnapped before. Like, they never come out and just say it. And honestly, that's very respectful. Yeah. Just just to be informed that we are being kidnapped. We are Norwegians. Sparkle lads. You you absolute fucker. God dang Norwegians. And I can say I say that as a descendant of Norway. 
goddamn Norwegians. We have a civic fund with all the money from the oil. <laughs> that makes us better than you. Yes. Jesus Christ. See, I've been trying to avoid that accent this whole time. <laughs> and then Luna's just like, more for me. Yum, yum, yum. Let me get as much of it as I can. Give, me, give us that slop, Ludo. Okay, give us the slop, Ludo. Time to get fucked. All right. <laughs> it's the worst. Okay. Okay, so Wolfendar, he uses his action to transform into his werewolf form so that he gets the same size as Berserk here and the rest of the lads they gonna make a bunch of uh, defense actions basically they are checking out for the mental health of your mates it's the health sovereign fund and uh, I think it's only fitting handoff to Berserk here what would it take for Berserk here to notice that all his power is coming from that stupid belt and somehow, you know, remove the belt from him? Is that possible or is it like bonded into the wolf form? Mm, I don't know. I think you can try. If someone can do it, it's probably you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to try. So this is going to be, a, I guess, an overcome action. And uh, I would like to apply principle of destiny for this. All right. I got an eight. Wow. Describe it, because you weren't able to get what you want. Zerkir just goes up to the wolf form, grabs it by the scruff of the neck like a mama wolf would a puppy wolf, and just rips the belt right off him, if that's not too much. Yeah, and you see this standard wolf in painfully reversing the transformation, and between rolling pain he just asked no way some meek theater critic called do something like that who are you let's just say I've fought these weapons quite a bit I know their weakness and they pull out their axe kind of have the same you might want to put a little bit more protection around the, the items you use and not depend on them too much is truly the the spirits around you that will give you more strength than these silly, silly items. And I'm going to hand it off to who's up. They have acted. So all the bad guys have acted. So I can't choose any of them. Uh, there's a lot of minions on the row, on the floor right now. So I'm going to send John Doe at him. Yeah. You know, this is the first time as John Doe runs over, grabs a dude and hucks him into another dude. The signature John Doe technique. This is the first time I've seen someone with just like a magic belt. Usually it's like a magic sword or axe, like just a belt. That's a fashionable accessory and magic item. No, they exist uh, for before they were gone. Uh, they had a magic belt that increased their strength. Huh? Uh, so I'm going to get to hit one with my mid, one with my min. Oh, yeah. So I got a four for one of them and a two for another. Manages to save. He goes to the six. And his buddy takes two, and they also save. So yeah, basically two of them, they are a bit stunned. But because they were prepared to contain you, you don't manage to take them out of the boat. Are are you guys part of that same guild of the hardest of lads as those other guys? Because like, you definitely should be. And then I pass to Johnny. 
And I turn with my silver bullet loaded in the chamber and shoot the werewolf man right in the face. What the face? <laughs> He's not a werewolf anymore. Uh, you know, fuck him. Still has a face. He's got a face. No one can argue that he doesn't have a face. Then I'm just going to shoot the werewolf man. Uh, with I'm going to use spin and shoot so that I can defend with my Mindai. That's a seven. Shoot him for seven. And I'm defending with a five. Oh, he saved. Damn it. Yeah, I think the thing is that he's shifting back to human form. And the moment you shoot, the face is not where it should be because he's back at his normal human size. So who you hand off to? I'm going to give it to Berserk here. Attack some of the sparkle lads. Next die. There we are. Or nine on one of the sparkle lads. Okay, so they're taking five. <laughs> and they say, yeah, they seem to be pretty used to combat and uh, they tangle up with you and they are putting up a fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the sparkle lads. Let's choose them. They see you as the biggest danger. At least see you as nearly incapacitating their leader. So they unleash their lead on you. Ooh. So that's... Two, six, eight, four, and seven damage coming towards you. Um, I have not acted yet. I would like to use my reaction to defend Bezirk here using my precognition die. Yeah, go for it. I rolled a six. So the one that is a six, I'll just knock that one right out. Uh, one, five, one, three, and six. One, five, one, three, six. Uh, so 17. Ow, that hurts. That hurt a lot. I'm in the yellows, but I can do more stuff. Yay. I'm a man. Uh, okay. Well, um, Brad, do you think if I just create a boost that John Doe could use that you could potentially just knock out some of these lads? Because I don't want anyone to have to take another hit like the one Bezirk here just took. Yeah. If you can give me a boost, I should be able to at least take out one. Possibly. I'm going to keep throwing dudes into dudes. Fantastic. Okay, that's what I will be doing. I'm going to use load uh, to create two bonuses, one using max and one using mid. Okay, so uh, I got an eight and a five create boosts. Plus three. Three. Okay, yeah. Um, and then a and then a five is a plus one. Plus two. Okay, yeah. So I have a plus three and a plus two. Um, I think what this looks like in the fiction is um, all of that stuff from like Bezirk here getting hit just kind of happens very quickly. And in the chaos of that, there's like just a lot of people moving around and uh johnny is essentially kind of just not like i I can't say tripping people but making sure that there is just like just the right like little obstacles in the way that make sure that people are lined up in in such a way that john doe is going to have a very easy time throwing motherfuckers into motherfuckers Uh, so we're going to call this plus three line them up and the plus two is i don't know knock them down down whoa that was really weird, Brent. I'm really happy that that happened. Everyone heard it. We said it at almost exactly the same time. <laughs> and that's my turn. And I'm handing off John Doe uh, so that he can go ahead and act because I assume Open Door's thing is going to be unpleasant. All right, enough shooting. I said to stay down. And he grabs a guy and whips him into another one. Ludo, I'm going to hit one of them with a 12. Yeah, that one is out. <laughs> and now whatever he rolls for defense, the next one takes. Uh, okay, uh, let's say it was the D4 one, so you take the two of them. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you, Lou. You're benevolent. <laughs> nice. 
Yeah, and two of them go overboard. No ticket. And so it's only four lads left. No ticket. So who's going next? Uh, the only one left. I, I mean, I guess we still should call him Ulfendar. He isn't really an Ulf anymore, but, you know. Actually, now we're just going to call him Kevin. This this is Jeremy. Formerly known as Ulfendar. And uh, he sees that uh, Berserkira has been pushed back. And uh, he keeps at it since an opportunity. I don't need a wolf bite to take you down. And uh, he starts using Norwegian martial arts on you. I thought you were going to say he just pulls out a regular gun. (laughs) (laughs) He pulls out a gun and, and just starts regular shooting at you with a regular gun. I'm going to defeat you with my wolf powers and this gun I found. <laughs> he starts using the ancient Norwegian art of gunfu. <laughs> That's five. Is that, is that com- who's that coming at? Is it me? Uh, no, Berserkir. Berserkir unfortunately grabbed his, his very fancy belt and he's upset about that. <laughs> mummy, mummy, the mean Viking man stole my magic belt. Yeah, I am one above the red zone already. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, that was a big nasty hit, that first one. So everyone is on the yellow zone. Fantastic. Let's get nasty. So where's that game? So I'm going to use my modification wave and try and hinder everybody. Uh, not everybody. The Sparkle Lads and Ulfendar. So that's a minus three as I just shout and a wave kind of hits them all knocking them off balance so that is a uh, off balance minus three is what i'll be creating wow and who's next john doe use that last boost i forgot about the boost things are about to get nutty how many of these guys are left four lads and uh oof and that all right so the first guy is getting a th- getting a four coming at him and that means the rest of them are getting a three coming at them. Remember, they all get a minus three. So so unless they roll a five or better, they're going to get hurt. Okay. One is out. I love a roll of negative two. Love to see it. So there's one left. Yeah. As John Doe just sighs on the boat. Wait, we're on a boat and starts using the rocking of the boat to knock dudes out into the water. And then I guess, uh, do we want? Ufendar to go, Ufendar, or do you got one of, or does Highwayman want to go? I'll attack the the Wolfman. All right, you go. Uh, we're in yellow now, so I can do some pretty fucked up shit. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use Inflict, and I'm gonna transmute on him. Mm-hmm. It's a six, and I'm also defending using my five, which hindering with a five. So I, it is transmutation. I'm pretty sure I'm just going to transmute. Six isn't a ton. I guess it depends on how well he does to roll his whatever, but he will have a hinder on that. I think I just try to transmute his like on like his human body. <laughs> I know that's kind of grisly, but yeah, I think I'm just trying to turn part of his body to I don't know wood. I was gonna say stone, but that even feels a little a little generous. He could swing a stone arm. I want it to be wood. I want him to be just a big weenie. All right, so that's a minus two, but it is also an attack for six. Yeah. Okay, so first you're going to defend with the minus three that he has on going. Another negative two. Love to see it. He goes downgrades to a d6. 
And now Eve starts to get a wooden arm and he goes, what the fuck? And he realizes that he has picked a fight with the way above his pay grade. I guess you hand off to him, right? Or the, the sparkle lots? No, I'll hand off to him. I might as well. He's gonna roll a defense, trying to get rid of that minus two, using the wood arm to protect, so that's a weak defense. And it's gonna be the sparkle adds, and and he's gonna shoot, covering fire to try to hinder Highwayman. So that's a minus one from the suppressing fire, and hand off to Highwayman. Phenomenal. The sparkle ads are the ones that just that just hindered me. Mm-hmm. I take that personally. I'm going to attack with lightning calculator on the one who just attacked me. And then I'm going to uh, hand off a boost to John Doe for the punching that that he will probably do. Uh, that is an eight to hit the sparkle lad. And that's also an eight for a boost for John Doe, which I believe that's a plus three. Is that a plus three? Yes. Yes. That is a plus three. Does not save, so yeah, take them out. I'm gonna give this plus three boost to John Doe. Yeah, and I'm gonna hand off to John Doe. I'm going to use my opening blow. I'm going to, which lets me use my max die, and I'm gonna cash in this plus three to try and just bring the drama. All right. I rolled a seven, so how's a ten? Yeah, he's go down to D4. And then I pass the highway, man. I mean, not the highway, to Berserk here. Throw this dude into space. I think I will. Powers. Throw him into space. We don't use that move enough. The move of just throwing people into space. I'm just going to pick him up and yeet him, despite yeet, term yeet and not being invented yet. <laughs> what we, the audience, would refer to as yeeting him. <laughs> That's nine. I yeet him, I think. So how do you finish this? Picking him up by what what's left of his shirt. I don't know how he transforms if the shirt just disappears or if it rips or whatever. But whatever clothes remain on his body, I pick him up and I just chuck him as far as I can into... I actually don't know what waters we're in right now, but whatever waters we're in. Hey, here's a thought that I just had. Where the fuck is Voidwalker during all of this? Yeah, uh, Voidwalker just opens the gate and comes in and just hears the splash. And uh, she is eating some takoyaki and she says, what just, what just happened here? We got into a fight with a werewolf guy. See, I was I was actually just going to I was just going to say nothing. Don't worry about it, because I thought that would be funnier. But uh, yeah, we did get into a fight. With the werewolf guy, the fail son, formerly known as werewolf guy. Bezrek, you still got that belt. Yep. Can we keep it as a souvenir? Yep. Yeah, so no longer werewolf guy. Pretty much, I think that option is roundly off the table for him. Huh. Well, let's go. See, the, the trick is with magic items is that you want them to not be easily ripped off. So a cloak would have been better, something wrapped around your whole body. Maybe A ring. A ring is a good one. Ring is good. Small, hard to grab. Yes. Wear an overshirt. Yeah, that too. Let's yeah, just like just like put it inside your clothes, so it's not as obvious that that's what's the thing that's doing it. Let's bail. Yeah, I hate Werewolf Wednesdays. It's Wednesday.
Crimson Gold Agonies is an associate of Court Games and D20 Radio. Joaquin Jarv, aka Berserkir, is played by Brent Torreson. They can be found at Copper Credit almost everywhere. Check out their other podcasts, Splinters of Jade and L5R Thriller Actual Play. They are available for editing work. Message them for rates. Johnny Jennings, aka The Highwayman, is played by Sam Sedlaxer. They can be found at SGCADelaysec on Instagram and Young Space Dead on Twitter. They are largely impressive. John Doe is played by Bradley Handler. You can follow him at Judge the Barbarian on Twitter or as co-writer on Split Roll, where he screams his opinions at you. Ludo handles the rest. You can find them at The Lettel and more of her stuff as Agonizing Crimson at Itchio or co-writing Split Roll. Citadel Comics RPG is the property of Greater Than Games and designed in collaboration with Critical Hits. Crimson Gold Agonies is possible through the support of listeners like you. You can support us on Patreon or even better, you can review us on iTunes and you can spread the word because there is no better way to get into a podcast just because a friend told us about it. Such as, for example, Snyder's Return. Snyder's Return is a tabletop role-playing game interviews and actual play podcast. We interview content creators, Twitch streamers, and fellow podcasters, and we put out our own actual play using a variety of different systems. So come and join us, come and have a listen. You can find us on Twitter at Return Snyder. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, or check out our website at www.snidersreturn.squarespace.com.